morning, everybody. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 again this morning. So if you want to uh, find that in your Bibles, you may want to refer back to that as we talk together. So we're in this series of thinking about unity, particularly because unity has been so damaged over these last years with all the stresses that have hit us, and it's, it's sometimes brought out uh, not the best behaviors. And so we're given some time to reflect on what the Bible says about unity. And uh, so far, we've looked at John 17 and seen that one of the key things in the prayer, that final prayer of Jesus is that they would demonstrate unity so that the world would believe. And that's been an important thing for me to see over the last number of years, that Jesus connects evangelism to the expression of unity. And I think as a church in general, in, uh, in the West, we have forgotten that. So we want to reemphasize that. And then we've seen that this unity is not possible without love. And last week we, we gave ourselves a little definition to think about here, that love is a desire for God and for what God himself values and loves. And God values and loves his people. And so uh, unity comes about with this underlying structure of love where we say God values my brothers and sisters. And so I need to do the same. And then we noted last week as we considered this, uh, began a consideration of 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul says that without such love we may do all manner of good things that are ultimately without profit to us because they can be done without love. Give all your possessions to the poor, Paul says, but uh, if you do it without love, it profits you nothing. Now, we looked at the first paragraph in chapter 13, and we looked at the concluding paragraph, and we purposefully left the center for further considerations. The center is maybe the most easily understood, and it's the most difficult to deal with. So that's what we want to begin working on today. And uh, we're going to call it the behaviors of love. The difficult thing for us is that love is such a broad term. In our culture, but I think in every culture, in the ancient world, love was a broad term. You can love everything from pizza to people, to whatever, right? It's just a very broad term. And and so without some additional help, we can all say to ourselves, well, of course we're loving people. And we can think about specific instances, right, without getting focused enough, and and so Paul wants us to focus. He wants the church at Corinth to focus, and what he does is 
He'll, he'll tie then love to certain kinds of behaviors that are the evidence of that love. So, follow along. Let's read the whole chapter again, uh, picking up at the end of, of chapter 12, where Paul's been discussing the different gifts in the body. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now here's the, uh, the powerful paragraph, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. All right, now, first thing let's chat a little bit about is Let's call it true spirituality, right? The church at Corinth was evidently caught up to some degree in this idea of spirituality. They knew from Paul's teaching he had planted the church, he had, he had discipled the church for over two years, and, and certainly had much to say about the Spirit of God. And so they were sensitive to that, and... Uh, the church had in it many spiritually gifted people. So as he starts out his letter to them, he says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. As he said in chapter 12, we saw it a couple weeks back, he says, To each one of you, has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Manifestation of the Spirit being 
the spiritual gifts that he talks about. So some people had gifts of faith and other gifts to do miracles and gift of tongues and prophecy and knowledge and so forth. You don't lack in any spiritual gift, says Paul. But there were major problems at the church. They were spiritually gifted, but they were proud and they were contentious. And so, just two chapters later, here's what Paul says. I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. So, we need to you know, we need to put this in our evaluation and calculus of what it means to be spiritual. It means more than being able to do things that are valuable in the life of the church and even to do them with the empowerment of the Spirit of God. That's, that's not enough. Why? Well, because he's going to tell us that where there is spiritual maturity, there has to be love. The Spirit can gift people, and they can try to function together, and even to do it with a certain amount of success, but but they can't do it the way God intends it to be done, Unless there's love. Love is the the mark that spiritual maturity is present, or at least that people are on the road to spiritual maturity. So when Paul in Galatians 5 talks about the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives, the first of those nine qualities he mentions is love. But of course, as we said, love needs some help to to define it. And and so in this paragraph that we're going to look at, Paul gives us a, a kind of spiritual diagnostic to think about love. How how does love act? What does it look like? This Christian love that that Paul wants for the church at Corinth. So it's a little bit like uh, going to the, the doctor's office. And before you ever see the doctor, you've got to fill out 25 pages of questions. Uh, have you had surgery in the last 25 years? What medications are you on? Uh, have you had a hangnail in the last six months? <laughs> and so it goes. All kinds of questions that don't seem all that helpful, but, but I assume they are. It, it gives the doctor some orientation. Well, Paul is going to give us a, a diagnostic and uh, ask us to think about each of the terms. So our challenge is just to go through and and to take a a stop with each of the things he says and reflect on what it means and and be asking the Lord, uh, Lord, how am I doing on this? 
What's the state of my health? <clears throat> so, let's go at it, and, uh, and today we'll pick up those first two that he talks about. The first is that love is patient. Patient. Well, what does that look like? I guess first I'd start here. To be patient, for love to be patient, means that love has time. Now this young woman is very conscious of the time, and uh, it seems like she's out of time. Maybe she's been out of time since 9 o'clock. And it's now 10 minutes past 10. Maybe she's waiting for someone, do you think? Someone who hasn't shown up. A phone call, perhaps, that hasn't come through. She called a company to complain about... uh, something, and they said, we'll, we'll call you right back. And now she's unhappy. She's, uh, she's angry, don't you think? Love is patient because love has time. I, I, will, not, uh, I will not tell you right now how I feel I do at that. Uh, a lot, in a lot of situations, I, I don't feel like I have time, not, not as much time as it's taking. And when I, when I get into that mode, it's, uh, it's not loving. I don't, I don't treat other people well. But love is patient, Paul says. And... <clears throat> That also means, I think, that love doesn't give up. It shows up. Over the last uh, year or two, probably probably through COVID, I got into reading some articles and blogs on uh, through hiking the Appalachian Trail. I don't know why, but it seemed like something of interest to me. The trail runs from Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine. It's over 1,000 miles, and there's a a group of people that are through hikers, and uh, they can hike it north to south, depending on the season, or you can hike it south to north and end up at Mount Katahdin. And, you know, people on the trail, sometimes they're writing blogs, and, and what is it that gets you through? Well, you have to, you have, to have a certain physical ability. Uh, I, I couldn't pretend to do, do it anymore because my, my knees wouldn't hold up to it. And, uh, and probably for a lot of other reasons, I, I couldn't do it either. But, but one thing that's very critical for the people that do it 
and all sorts of folks talk about it, is simply that notion of perseverance, not giving up, and, and showing up the next day. You know, you, you get up, they, they say your clothes are always wet on the trail, always wet, and you put on those wet clothes and wet shoes, and you, you go slog it out for another day. Doesn't sound very interesting to me, frankly. Love doesn't give up. It keeps going. And that's part of the patience of love because in our relationships with one another, in our marriages, in family life, there's often things that we want to see happen and we're not sure if they're ever going to happen. And what's the baseline? Well, part of the baseline of love is it doesn't give up. It shows up the next day. And it takes a run at it again. The, uh, there's a stretch in Maine on the trail. Uh, and it's, it's not very far before the end, before Mount Katahdin. And you think, well, you're going to be in a range of hills. No, you're in a, in a very flat area where you can't see. There's no great vistas to encourage you. And I've seen pictures of the trail. It's overshadowed by trees. The trail is great boulders, one after another, and giant gnarly roots back and forth. And I look at that and say... I might be able to get a mile. And by, the, by a mile, I would be so exhausted and so flat-out bored. And, and, you know, if you're hiking south to north, that's right at the end of the trail. So what, what keeps it going? There are some people who get that far and drop out because it's 100 a, it's a miles of just that. But if you make it, at the end, you've got the summit of Mount Katahdin and you've done it and all the rest, but you can't give up at that point. You've got to show up for, what does it take, a week to hike 100 miles in that kind of terrain? Love is patient. It, It shows up. And then, here's, here's this. Love bears with others in all their weakness and foibles and idiosyncrasies and irritation and anger. Love bears with others. And so in Ephesians, a little text that we looked at a few weeks back, Here's what Paul says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I think that phrase, bearing with one another in love, that's explanatory of what he's thinking of with regard to patience. Patience means bearing with one another in love. It's it's putting up with, with me. See, in love, you're called upon to put up with me. 
and I'm called to put up with you. And sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes that's about all you can do. I mean, love, love can be a wonderful experience, but it can be excruciatingly hard. And that's what, that is what I get out of this paragraph that Paul is saying, friends and Corinth, there's this immense task before you and you're failing at it. Even though you have spiritual gifting and you don't fall behind in any of that stuff. The most fundamental thing, the most excellent way is eluding you. Love is patient. It has time. It shows up repeatedly. It doesn't give up. And it bears with others. Love is patient. Now, Uh, you know, here's the other side. If love isn't patient, what happens? Uh, Tempers flare. We get angry with one another. Proverbs says, a hot-tempered man, there's a picture of a girl here, Uh, so I guess it applies to girls too. She looks looks pretty upset. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. But a patient man calms a quarrel. Love is patient. But love is also kind. And the way Paul puts these together, he obviously thinks about these as as a kind of mated pair. The, The one quality, patience, being more on the passive side and the element of kindness being the more active expression of love. Love is kind. So there's this powerful combination that he has in a number of different places. Go back to Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now notice the two, patience, kindness, standing together. We're called to patience and kindness as we are called to be like our Father in heaven. Think about Paul's statement to the Romans. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And there's, there's the two with uh, toleration in the middle. How wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. <clears throat> what, does, uh, what, what is kindness, do you think? Well, maybe we say if we think about God himself, kindness is God treating people better than they deserve. Better than they deserve. Jesus talks about God that way in the Sermon on the Mount. He says that God sends his reign upon the righteous and upon the unrighteous alike. God treats people better than they deserve. And that's true especially in the gospel. 
Titus 3, 4. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. When, when did that appear? Paul's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the good news that God has sent his son, what we sang about in, in our song earlier and what Camilla uh, <clears throat> read for us in John 10. This story of God's love expressed to us in his son, treating us better than we could ever have reason to hope for. That's his kindness and love expressed toward us. So what does Paul say? Well, he says, live the life of love, be patient, but be kind. Treat people even better than you think they deserve. Imitate your father. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Then he goes right on in chapter 5 of Ephesians to say, Be therefore imitators of God as beloved children. And live the life of love. But be kind. Be compassionate to one another. I was coming in this morning and uh, tuned into uh, uh, an interview on NPR. And the, the interview was of a Jewish Buddhist psychiatrist. <laughs> Just very, very interesting. And they were talking, among other things, about kindness and compassion. And this lady had a lot of insightful and humorous things to say. But she said, you know, I've got an analogy that has come to mind for this uh, kindness and patience. She said, "It's, uh, it's from my GPS and my navigation system. She said, you know, you're driving along, following your GPS, and you miss a turn. And what do you hear? You hear recalculating. <laughs> and uh, then you get some new instructions. You know, go to drive a quarter mile to the next traffic light and turn right. But now you're a little bit flustered, see? And, <clears throat> and you know you missed one turn, and that makes even increased pressure. And so you come up to the light and and you get confused, and you go straight ahead. And what happens? Your GPS says, recalculating, and gives you new instructions. <clears throat> and, uh, and so this woman said, <clears throat> the, the GPS is, is very kind. It, it never... Whoops. 
It never, what am I doing here? There we go. Said the GPS is very kind. It, it doesn't change its tone of voice. It doesn't get louder. It doesn't say, you idiot. Uh, GPS lady is, uh, is very compassionate. And I thought, you know, there's some real insight there. Because when I feel impatient, then I can quickly begin to speak in a way that's unkind. And, and I, can, I can sense it in me, right? The, the volume goes a little bit higher. The pitch of my voice probably goes a little bit higher. And, uh, and pretty quickly, I stop listening and, and all kinds of stuff can go wrong. And in the church, in our marriages, our families, at work, at school, wherever we are, we get in a lot of trouble here, don't we? We want to be loving people, but, but we don't always face what's really going on in our hearts. So there's Paul's diagnostic as he started it. That'll be, uh, that'll be a sufficient for us to meditate on for this whole week, I think. Love is patient. Love is kind. We'll pick it up there next week. Uh, I'd encourage you not only to reflect on those two, but maybe to spend a little time each day reading over that central paragraph and asking, uh, Spirit of God, how do you want to instruct me? What changes do I need to make with your help that I might grow in love? Let's pray. Lord, we say thank you, even as we uh, acknowledge that we're not entirely comfortable with this word that you've given us, Uh, because as we evaluate and as we listen to what your spirit is telling us, we, we begin to see stuff in our hearts that we're, we're not happy about. Places where we've caused pain for other people. Things that continue to trip us up as men and women who want to live according to your word and to please you and to dwell in unity together. So will you give us, Lord, not just insight, but would you give us courage and would you give us strength to turn back to you and to seek the help of your Spirit and to learn how to be kind and to be patient and extend grace to one another because we know that this is what you've done to us and for us through Jesus in whose name we pray.
Amen.